Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. One critical topic that can have a substantial financial impact on both us and our loved ones is the subject of inheritance and how to ensure that you and your loved ones don't end up overpaying in both taxes and fees once the whole inheritance process starts taking place. This is a subject that is worth knowing about and is really relevant no matter your age because let's say you're younger and are more likely to be on the receiving end of an inheritance. Well, you obviously want to be able to keep as much as has been given to you instead of having to pay a substantial amount in taxes, fees, or other expenses. Now, on the flip side, if you are maybe older and there is a higher probability that you will be the one giving away the inheritance to your children or maybe a charitable organization, then obviously you want your kids or that organization to receive as much as possible from what you are giving them instead of an unnecessary large amount being taken out by things like fees or taxes that perhaps could have been prevented or at least reduced with proper financial planning. So to help you with this, I'd like to welcome back Celine Sue on the show. We learned a ton from her last time on the subject of annuities and how you can actually get guaranteed income for life through the use of annuities. So definitely check out that episode if you haven't already. And now this time, we're going to focus on some of the best practices when it comes to dealing with inheritances. Now, Celine is the Director of Wealth Products at RBC Insurance, and she has been in the wealth management industry for over two decades. So she definitely has a really large wealth of experience and knowledge when it comes to different retirement planning solutions, whether it's annuities, like we just mentioned, segregated funds, and much, much more. So enjoy the episode. I hope you learn a lot from the session. Thanks for tuning in. And now let's get into the interview. All right, Celine, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Cornell. Awesome. So to start things off, can you take us through why is it important to have an estate plan here in Canada? Yeah, no, that is a great question. Um, and I get that asked quite a bit. But, you know, what? usually I say, you know, no matter how young or old you are, how much wealth you have, um, whether you're married, you know, you have children or you're single, everyone can benefit from developing an estate plan. Uh, what an estate plan really does is to help you preserve, manage and distribute your assets once you're gone. Um, and when it's planned properly, it will really save your loved ones from you know, grief sometimes, um, time and money. So it's important because it allows you to protect the wealth that you've accumulated over your lifetime. Um, and it'll help you better manage your family's financial future so that you know that they will be taken care of once you're gone. Awesome. Yeah, one thing that really jumps out at me is when a death happens, there's already enough on your plate at that point to deal with. And obviously it's very emotional and all of that. So it's sort of like the last thing you want is to feel like, okay, now I've got to worry about taxes and you know, we get into probate fees, things like that. I mean, that's the last thing you want to focus on because you're grieving. So it's one of those things I think that are might be uncomfortable for some people to have those conversations because it's never a fun <laughs> thing, but, mm -hmm. uh, yep. but, but such a critical thing that can prevent a lot of pain, but then, or at least mitigate a little bit of that pain uh, when things inevitably do happen uh, at some point in the future. Uh, so, so I was told that you and your team actually did a new survey when it comes to just gauging how prepared Canadians are when it comes to inheritance. Can you take us through the insights and lessons learned from those results that we can hopefully then take and apply to our own lives to kind of help improve our own situation. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we surveyed about 1,500 Canadians with a focus. Um, we had we had a focus on age 55 plus as well, um, and really just wanting to know about their confidence around their finances and their estate plan. Um, and there were three themes that really were revealed from our survey. The first one is that there is a lack of planning and prioritization amongst Canadians when it comes to preparing for their estate. Um, 85% of those surveyed uh, want to maximize the inheritance that they leave to their loved ones. And they want to, as you mentioned, you know, they want to minimize any estate taxes or any estate fees and out-of-pocket uh, out expenses that can occur. Um, and the third, the third theme that came out is that Canadians are just not comfortable communicating their estate plan to their loved ones. Um, it is one of the most important steps, but uh, for you know various reasons, they feel that it's not something that they would like to talk about. So, um, you know, there's good news and bad news from from the survey. The good news is that most Canadians know that estate planning is important. Um, the the things that we could that there's opportunity for is that um, you know we need to start talking about it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. So have you found that in those survey results, it was the the older person that is going to be giving away an inheritance that they actually also felt uncomfortable and were reluctant to talk about it? Or was it primarily from the other side of, let's say, the, ch the child or children? feeling a little bit awkward bringing this up with their parents, which I, I, I can see how that's, you know, <laughs> that can be awkward for the yeah, child because yeah. then it can make it sound like, oh, I, you, what, you just you're worried about our money kind of thing, uh, kind of in a negative way because you want it for yourself. Mm -hmm. But you have you found that it comes from the other side as well, that the, the parent actually can feel uncomfortable as well? Absolutely. I think that so the way that we, we structured the survey was asking those that are giving an inheritance to the next generation or to a loved one. And that's where we found that it was the, the parent that was uncomfortable having those uh, those discussions. Um, and as they got older, the, the older demographic, they they felt even more angst in, in terms of having those times, those, those kinds of conversations with um, with their children or, or their beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure that, you know, from the flip side on a beneficiary side, you know, you never want to think about your parents' mortality, you know, that you know we, we all think they're going to live forever. Um, but, you know, the truth is that, that the time will come. So those conversations are just so important to have. Um, and we'll get, I know that we're going to get into that a little bit later, but just um, in terms of kind of how to broach the the topic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do have some tips on that as well that we can, we can just certainly discuss. That's great. That, that's really fascinating because I would have assumed that it's just primarily from the child side where it's awkward because they don't want to make it seem like they're just out for their parents' money. And so mm -hmm. I wonder if there's all these situations where the child doesn't want to bring it up because you know, there, there could be some conflict there. They don't want to make it seem like they're just, they just want the inheritance uh, because they just obviously love their parents. And then but but then they don't realize that the actual parent is also kind of feeling a little awkward about this whole thing. And so it's almost like, you know, one's waiting for the one to bring it up and then the other one's waiting for the other to bring it up. Yeah, so yeah. it just becomes this thing where it's easy to just brush it under the rug and say, we'll do it later. And then that's where like, we're going to get into that's where things can get detrimental for your family because things are now no longer are not optimized from a estate planning taxation um minimizing fees kind of a perspective very interesting yeah one point mm -hmm. that really stood out to me in your survey was that one of the findings was that the majority of canadians are losing out on opportunities to maximize inheritance for loved ones can you speak to that finding a little bit yeah, absolutely. Um so our survey as you mentioned it revealed that more than 85% of those surveyed 
the inheritance left to their loved ones, either by avoiding estate fees or by minimizing out-of-pocket expenses. And that percentage actually increases for those age 55 plus, that um, that stat increases uh, to 93%. So, you know, that we could say a majority of those age 55 and older really want you to maximize. So they're, you know, they, they may be missing out on opportunities to do that. And a big part of a, your estate plan and planning for your estate is to structure your assets and your finances finances in such a way that will minimize the taxes and fees and maximize what your loved ones receive in their hand. Um, our survey did reveal that, you know, 57% were not aware that insurance can reduce estate taxes by, by, by uh, bypassing probate. Um, and, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about segregated funds that are our insurance product and how they can help to minimize those estate fees um, once you're once you've passed away. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then, yeah, one component that I think is a bit of an unknown, which you just mentioned for those of us that haven't gone through this whole process, you know, is that subject of probate and probate fees. You know, can you talk about what that is and you know, what are these options available for actually minimizing these probate fees or are our hands kind of tied when it comes to those? Yeah, yeah. So anyone that has um, you know had to go through the probate process, um, I haven't personally, but I am the executor on my parents' estate, so I, you know, eventually will go through that. But I hear that, you know, it's a very unpleasant experience, especially like you mentioned, it's a very emotional time. Um, you're grieving. Everybody has their own grief process, and to have to go through the probate process um, to ensure that the will is is um, you know distributed as 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 uh, you know your parents or your loved ones wishes, um, it can be quite unpleasant. Um, so probate, basically, uh, it's a legal process that your estate must go through after you pass away. Um, and it's really the process in which your assets will get distributed according to what your will says. Um, every will has to go through probate. Um, and depending on how complex your estate is, it could it could take years for a, a will to settle in court. Um, you know, you, you hope that it doesn't take years and years, but I've heard I've heard of, of wills, you know, taking upwards of five to 10 years to be able to settle. Um, so part of probate, there are certain fees that you discussed um, that need to be paid. Um, it varies from province to province, but in general, you've got your legal fees, you have your probate taxes, you have your executor fees, and those can range anywhere from, you know, 1% to 5%. Um, and so you could be looking at when you're looking at all the fees together, you could be looking at upwards of 10% of an estate going to fees and taxes, which can add up to a significant amount, especially if your if your estate is, you know, a significant amount as well. So the probate process is really time consuming and costly. Very interesting. And I guess that's where, correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess that's where insurance can come in because I suspect, let's say that there is like a cottage in the family and then that is now going to be inherited and maybe the children want to keep the cottage. They they don't want to sell it, but it's not a liquid asset. And so, okay, the parent passed away. They have to pay these fees. They don't have this kind of money just kicking around uh, that they can just all chip in and, and pay it and be done with it. And so it becomes this sort of challenge, well, okay, how can we pay these fees and still keep our cottage as opposed to being forced to liquidate the cottage or, or take out a loan or something to be able to pay these fees? Is, is that kind of like a practical use case of how some people use insurance um, you know, in the case of these sort of illiquid assets that they actually want to keep once the parent passes away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and you bring up a really good point because, you know, you have all of these 
probate and legal fees that are associated with settling your estate in court. But there are so many other fees and costs that people don't think about when somebody passes away. Um, so you think like things like funeral costs, was that have, have has that been um, taken care of by by that person that has passed away, um, any fees on investment accounts, uh, settling utility, uh, utility bills, mortgage payments, anything that, you know, because everything is still tied up in your will, you are not going to get any, you're not going to see any of that money until that will settles. So there is going to be potentially a lot of out-of-pocket expenses that may need to be paid by the executor uh, because they're, they don't have access to any money in, um, in, the, in the will. Um, and that's where insurance can can come into play. Um, I actually do have a, a personal story. I have a very uh, close colleague. Her aunt passed away last fall, and her aunt was 88. lived you know very good life, and and um, and my colleague was named as the executor of her estate. The will is still going through probate, and until that process is finished, my colleague has no access to any of the funds from her, her, her aunt's estate um, to pay for any of her aunt's bills. Um, so she's had to actually you know, use her own money, dip into her own savings to continue to pay for her um, her aunt's bills, like the utility bills, as I mentioned, um, the, the mortgage payments, lawn, even things like lawn maintenance and snow removal. You know, it's an ex a whole extra home that you still need to, you mm -hmm. still need to um, upkeep. Um, property taxes and things like that. So, um, you know, the house can't be sold until probate is complete, uh, which could, uh, when the last time I talked to her, still take up to another 12 months or longer. So, you know, my colleague has had to pay for a lot of these upfront costs. So far, she's had to front about um, 35 to 40,000, which is very significant. Mm -hmm. um, so she's, you know, my colleague's in a position potentially to pay for these costs, but many aren't, you know, many don't, don't have that money lying around that they can use that money out of pocket to pay for, for these types of expenses. So one piece of advice that my colleague actually has is that when you plan your estate, uh, you know, ensure that you provide the means for your executor to pay for many of the out of pocket expenses without having to dip into their personal savings. Um, and that's where, you know, basic planning, some strategies, that's where you can minimize the, where these costs come into play and maximize what actually goes to your loved ones. Mm -hmm. And that's also where insurance comes into play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. And especially now, right, with the interest rates being higher, it was, it was one thing when, you know, you get a loan for 2% or whatever, and <laughs> you know, a home equity yeah. line of credit, you take, you just take the money it. out just to kind of hold you over until the probate process is completed. Now it, it's, I can see, I suspect the case for something like insurance is a bit stronger now in terms of having that as a potential tool in your toolbox because, yeah, you could use your HELOC, let's say, but maybe that's already maxed out. Maybe you don't want, you know, maybe the rates are kind of high. Maybe it's actually cheaper to get insurance. I don't know what the cost, maybe you can speak to that a bit, but I mean, it, it sounds like it's a tool worth knowing about to have in your toolbox, especially because it's no longer this crazy low interest rate environment that we're in where it's just like, oh yeah, just take out a loan and you know, you're going to pay a little, very little because we're at historically low rates. And now a quick message from one of our sponsors. All right. I want to give a big shout out to Passive for sponsoring this episode. They are free to use and are literally the number one tool that I consistently use to manage all my investments. If you've been investing for any period of time, you know how important rebalancing your portfolio is as that's what allows you to consistently buy low 
and sell high with your investments, as well as ensure that you aren't taking on any additional unnecessary risk. Now, as critical as rebalancing your portfolio is, it's actually a manual and annoying labor-intensive process. As to do it correctly, you have to log into each of your household's investment accounts and do manual data entry on a spreadsheet to figure out how much to buy of each investment every single time that you have money to invest. And there's always the chance that you make a mistake and miscalculate something when doing it yourself on a spreadsheet. So these days, when I have money to invest, I simply log into Passive, I immediately see what I'm holding too much and too little of in my portfolio, and Passive automatically calculates how much I need to buy of each ETF to get me back to my target across all of my household's accounts. Then in a couple clicks, I can have Passive buy the investments that I'm holding too little of across all my and my wife's accounts without me having to log in and out of each account to manually do the trades myself. I'm also able to see how my entire household's investment portfolio is doing across all our accounts in just a mouse click instead of manually having to add everything up across all my accounts. So they have a free account that you can use to try them out. And if you are a Quest Trade user like me, you also get their premium account for free. So it's a complete no-brainer. And I've personally been using them for years at this point. So I can definitely vouch for them as they have literally become my number one favorite tool for managing my investments. They saved me many dozens of hours when I'm managing and optimizing my portfolio. So definitely check them out. They are a fantastic Canadian company and you can get your free account by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. Again, that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. And now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really goes back to, you know, structuring your assets, uh, maybe not so much the fees and how much everything costs, but um, going back and structuring your estate plan so that you have funds set aside to help your executor pay for those out-of-pocket expenses Mm -hmm. so they don't have to dip into their own savings. So, um, you know, our survey did reveal that 57% were not aware that insurance can reduce estate taxes by bypassing probate. Um, And in insurance, you know, you think of life insurance, but there are products uh, called segregated funds um, that can also reduce estate fees and taxes by bypassing probate. and as I mentioned before, you know, every will has to go through probate. But if, you know, con- I think Canadians should consider products such as seg funds as an estate planning strategy. Um, and just just it, in terms of, you know, what is seg- what is a seg fund? Um, so basically, they are investment products, very similar to mutual funds. Uh, they provide the growth potential, diversification, liquidity, but they have unique features that help to grow and protect and guarantee your money. Um, and they can only be purchased by uh, at an insurance company. Um, and they also they also offer very unique estate planning advantages that are appealing um, to Canadians. I would say probably typically the older Canadians. Um, but as I mentioned before, you know your will has to go through probate. Seg funds don't form part of your will, so they bypass probate completely. Um, and this results in three things, you know, cost savings, obviously, because seg funds don't buy, uh, go through your will, they bypass probate. So your estate doesn't need to pay for those estate fees, legal fees, um, executor fees associated with your seg fund investment. Um, so that means more money in the love in the hands of your loved ones, which is what, um, you know, the ultimate goal is. 
Uh, there's also significant time savings. So seg funds don't form part of your will. So they're not tied up in that lengthy, you know, potential length, a lengthy estate um, probate process uh, to the courts. So your beneficiaries actually don't need uh, to wait until you know, the, the will is settled, the, the money that's in the SEG fund can be paid out within days of, of um, notification that, that the annuitant has passed away. So they're able to access that money very fast. Um, so again, more money in the, the hands of your loved ones. Um, and this may be important to some, um, but um, I don't think many people may know, but wills are public documents. So anyone could go down to a local court and for a nominal fee, they can see someone's will. Um, but because SEG funds don't form part of the will, any amount invested in that SEG fund um, and even the name beneficiaries can be kept completely private. Um, so there are a lot of advantages from an estate planning perspective when it comes to, you know, what can a SEG fund offer? What is a SEG fund and how can I use it as part of my estate plan? It's really the, the cost savings, the time savings and the privacy aspect that it brings. Like I was saying before, it's a it's a tool that one should be aware of when evaluating these options. Um, so, okay, if I was to not do something like that and just pay the probate, what are the pros and cons of that? What would the cost be if I was to use a tool like that? Like seg funds obviously have, have fees as well associated with them. But then again, That's it's it. like n- n- nothing is free, but then you can at least analyze the the pros and cons of each, both the sort of financial pros and cons, like the fees, probate fees versus the fees on like a seg fund. But then it's good, I think, that you brought up these, these additional benefits as well. I guess like, you know, softer sort of benefits as opposed to just like pure dollars and cents. In particular, I think one that could be very easy to overlook is the whole kind of cash flow problem that this could have for those that are getting the inheritance, right? Because I can see a very easy way to think about it is, oh, well, my parent has a house that's maybe worth a million at this point. I know they've got some money left in their RSPs that they didn't spend. And so we'll just use that to pay these probate fees and then we're done. So why even worry about this? But so it's an interesting point I think you brought up where, okay, that may be true, However, there's the sort of you know net worth and total dollar amount, but then there's also the whole like cash flow thing where okay, while this is all getting sorted out, will you guys, will all the recipients have the cash flow to mm-hmm. fund these things or pay whatever costs are necessary as this process goes on? And, and so I think that's a really good. It sounds like a really good best practice in terms of thinking of cash flow, not just oh well, their net worth is still positive and that will cover the expenses of the funeral and everything else. So. Let's just not worry about it. Um, you know what I mean? Because, like you said to your friend, it, it sounds like it can it can be in the tens of thousands of dollars. So, can you eat that, <laughs> or or maybe not? Right? Uh, and some of these I amounts, I imagine, can be massive. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very interesting. And, yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, just things like funeral costs. You know, people don't often think about that, but they, I mean, yeah. you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars for a simple funeral. Um, and if it's not planned for, then then your loved ones would be held, you know, because your will is not going to be get, your will is not will not be paid out or distributed within that short of a period of time, mm-hmm. right? So you know that there needs to be some out of pocket expenses that will be paid, um, and just kind of you know going back to the example about my colleague having to pay all you know the the out of pocket expenses that um, that she has to, you know why not consider a seg fund you know invest in a seg fund with your executor as the beneficiary and when you pass away the executor will receive those funds within days and won't be out of pocket 
So I think you know with, with a bit of planning, um, you could it, it could it could really help uh, your loved ones in in that time of you know when they're an emotional time when they're going through you know the grief of of your passing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I have to disclose that with all types of investments, clients should obviously speak with the financial advisor. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, um, but you also want to you know talk to your financial advisor um, about your own personal circumstance and what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there needs to be a conversation between whoever, like the advisor, like you said, the individual's accountant, probably, um, and I guess lo- probably a lawyer as well, if they're getting their fee, their will updated, things of that nature. Are those kind of the three, or and like a financial planner as well? I would, I guess, put in that. Would those, would that kind of be the group that you would suggest should be involved when it comes to evaluating these different tools, these different options, and, and picking the best one? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lawyer, yeah, a state lawyer, financial planner, financial advisor, um, a tax, uh, a tax specialist as well. Yeah. Um, and an accountant. Yeah. I think yeah. those would be the three or four that I would, I would yeah. suggest. That sounds good. Um, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their own specialty and and then this way you can kind of make sure it's optimized for, for that situation. So, um, and I guess it's not like one person has to pay for all of that either. Cause if there's a bunch of kids, you could chip in and just get these, get these experts, uh, get these experts involved. But like you said, I mean, th- you know, this isn't like, Oh, we're going to save $300. Um, you know, the, the, this is, you know, we're talking about tens of thousands, uh, potentially here. So it's not something you know, even if you pay like a thousand dollars for these for this advice hourly or whatever, I mean, it's, it's depending on the estate. I, I imagine that, that could probably be a, a good a good investment potentially of your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. And not well, just um, you know when I when I think about investment about your time for your time and all of that, it's great. But um, it'll also you know you mentioned that if you have um, if there's other beneficiaries or other siblings that you can split the cost. Mm-hmm. But there you know there may not be the opportunity to do so. And, and that may cause, you know, undue stress on the family, bring up lots of emotions, um, you know, just um, cause fighting within the family as well, mm-hmm. which you really don't want to do when you're trying to plan out, you know, when yeah. you're trying to settle your loved one's estate. So it could really save, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, that from, from grief, um, you know, mm-hmm. more grief than you're, you're going through already. For sure. Yeah. It's a lot easier to be collaborative and calm and strategic and, and rational when things are good than when you've just had your life turned upside down because you know your loved one passed away. And now it's like, exactly. okay, good good luck getting that thinking cap on and you know, optimizing taxes at that point. I mean, I don't know how yeah. I, I no. <laughs> you'd have to have yeah. some pretty uh <laughs> impressive discipline, I think, to like to have your head fully on your shoulders if, if going through something. I, I like I know I, I would struggle with that significantly, and right. I imagine most people would as well. So um yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, that's that's great. Are there any other uh fees or taxes that we should be aware of when thinking of inheritance and estate planning? Um, I think I might, I did um, kind of cover most yeah. of them, you know, the, the fees that have to do with the probate and um, settling your will in court, and then the other kind of expenses at the out of pocket expenses that, um, that some people often forget about. Um, once you know, you've passed away, and you still need to you know, pay for the utility bills on your home. You still have to pay if you have a mortgage. Still, still have to pay for your mortgage and property tax. Um, even your, you know, your final income tax um, filing if you owe taxes. Um, so all of those kind of fees, expenses. I think you know, those are those are the main ones that um, that people should be thinking about. Mm-hmm. And then when we were talking about probate fees, 
is that only if both the 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 entire the couple has passed away now? Uh, so if there is, let's say, a wife or a husband left, I'm assuming probate then does not come into play because it just gets transferred on to the spouse. Is that correct? Uh, well, it depends on how you structure your will, right? So oh, okay. my husband and I, yeah, my husband and I have a joint will. So yeah, so if if I pass away before he does, then then everything will just continue as is because everything will go to him, right? Gotcha. Um, and um, uh, but if if you know we both pass away, that's when our will will be uh, acted upon. Um, if you have separate wills, then of course, yeah. If you if you pass away, your will get will get acted on first, uh, but it really depends on how the will is structured and and what it says. Okay, okay, so yeah, it's not an automatic thing where yeah, but basically you should have a will, and then that conversation should happen as you're creating that will with the lawyer, and to figure that out, that makes sense. Okay, and then I suspect too that the word will is often used interchangeably with estate planning. Can you speak to what the differences are between the two in particular, so that we can all be aware of the different components of estate planning here in Canada and plan accordingly? Because it's not just like, oh, I have a will. I am done with estate planning. Time to move on with my life. Obviously, there's, well, like we've already talked about, right? There's there's mm-hmm. certain tax optimizations and fee reduction optimization strategies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a will and estate planning are actually quite different. Um, so it, it, it is important to know what those differences are. You know, a will is a, is one legal document specifies how your assets are going to be distributed after you die. An estate plan is just that, right? It's a collection of of legal documents. It's a plan, um, a broader plan of how, um, you know, you want your, basically your life to be passed on. Um, so an estate plan can include things like obviously the will, uh, you want to think about power of attorneys. Um, there's two two different types. So there's power of attorneys for finances. There's also power of attorneys for medical decisions if you can't make those decisions on your own. Um, an estate plan can even include things, um, you know, going beyond legal documents like naming beneficiaries, purchasing insurance like seg funds to minimize taxes and state fees. Um, and then, you know, what we touched upon before is planning your funeral and and those expenses related to your funeral. I can see that being such an easy trap to fall into because if you're, you know, read blogs or media, we often hear, oh, you need to have a will, you need to have a will. And most people still don't have a will, it seems, but but we always yeah. hear about the will seems to get such a big spotlight. And, and rightfully so. It's it's very critical. But I think it's an easy trap to fall into where it's like, okay, I I should get a will, I got a will, and we're done. And it's like, okay, well, no, not not really. There's all these other yeah. Things it's like a whole nother animal in terms of the optimizations and and your wishes and things of that nature. So uh, I'm really really glad that you that you brought that up because um, yeah, it's, it's it'd be convenient if it was just that one thing, but it's obviously a much part of a much bigger pie. To tie everything together, can you give us a synopsis as well as really anything else that you'd like to add in regards to best practices? You've already mentioned a whole bunch, uh, you know, we can that we Canadians can do to ensure that we have this really critical part of our financial planning taken care of. I I sometimes fear that Canadians or not just people in general, right? When we think of financial planning, they think of investments and what ETF should I buy or what you know what what investment I should buy or what stock I should buy. But you know. That's just one part of financial planning. Estate planning is one of the other key key pillars. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share in, in terms of these you know, best practices or common mistakes you see people make uh, just so that we can, something practical that we can apply ourselves in our own lives? Yeah, I think, um, you know, 
if you have an estate plan already, that's great. You know, continue to keep the lines of communication open between you and your loved ones. If you don't have an estate plan, it's not too late to start now. Um, I think it's just so important that you're in, that you know you ensure that your loved ones know what your wishes are, so that they can properly plan and uh, and prepare to receive the wealth as well. Um, you know, the one thing that we we didn't talk about yet is that you know the, the the subject of communicating your estate plan to your loved ones because i think that really is such an important component of your overall plan you know you're, you're planning everything you know how you want to get it distributed but if nobody knows where any documents are then yeah. that's you know again to have to go through that when you've passed away when that person is already in an emotional state you, you don't want that um, so, you know, how can we reframe the conversation so it's not a difficult one? You know, our survey revealed that um, many people feel that their their finances and their estate plan are private and they don't want to share it with anybody. Um, but, um, you know, I say I, 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 um, I say that, you know, there's I think, you know, the saying there's there's two things that are certain in life, um, taxes and death. And while, you know, talking about money and death, never it's never a pleasant experience, uh, but they are inevitable. Um, so having the conversation sooner rather than later, um, that's kind of, you know, the piece of advice that I can give. Mm -hmm. um, and based on personal experience, you know, I could offer up a few tips on how to approach the, the topic. Um, my, my parents, they're in their late 70s. Um, they are very open with us. Um, about their estate plan. And in fact, they they revisited their will a couple months ago to add some more grandchildren and um, not mine, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but um, but uh, they did discuss the, the details with myself and my two brothers. And it was a wonderful discussion because while it was difficult to have, because you never want to think about your parents' mortality. You, you know, you're, when they're, you know, when you're younger, you think, oh, my parents are going to be there forever. But, um, you know, it is just very important that you have that discussion. And it was a really great discussion because we knew exactly what my parents wanted, what was in their will, what, you know, what is in their estate plan and how they, they wish to distribute that. Um, they even went so far as, you know, they've already planned for their funeral. They know where they're going to be buried. You know, I, my, my mom joked to my dad about, you know, don't snore and keep me up all night. So, you know, just things like, like that, they've, they've, they've chosen where they're going to be um, buried and they've already paid for it. So, and they've let us know that as well. Mm -hmm. So we know that when that time comes that we will, you know, we'll be okay. They'll, they'll be okay. And, you know, and, and um, their wishes will um, be acted upon. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think it's really important. And, and, you know, in terms of if you haven't had a discussion around your estate plan um, you know, I think, three or four things really is to kind of think about how you want to approach it. Um, do you want it to be in person? Do you want it to be virtual? Um, make sure that everybody knows what's on the agenda so that there's no surprises. Um, be sympathetic, be empathetic. You know, you may be ready to talk about your estate plan, but your loved ones may not be ready to hear about it. Start small, you know, just, you know, I think about when we were younger, my parents used to always say, our will is here and our the deed to our house is yep. here. And it's just that just that simple. Just start start that small, right? Mm -hmm. And as you get more comfortable, start adding on to it. Um, so I think that um, you know, if if you follow kind of those you know, three, four tips, um, you'll get there to to um, you know, to be able to kind of discuss the more complex aspects of an estate plan. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was great that you mentioned that those different parts of estate planning instead of just the will. I think that I suspect that could be a good conversation starter as well. Even saying something like, "Hey, I've listened to this podcast. You know, they had an expert on their estate planning on, and they mentioned that there's these different components of estate planning that makes sense to have figured out before you actually pass away." You know, do you have each of you know have you figured it out for each of these components? And I'm guessing most likely not all of them have been thought of yet. Uh, I would imagine for most people, and so at least mm-hmm. that kind of gets that narrative going. Where oh, what we currently are doing is not actually good enough. We actually need to talk about this and plan for this, and at least that kind of gets that that conversation going. Uh, it's right because then it's sort of like an actionable checklist, right? Like oh, did we talk about this? Did we optimize for this? Did we discuss this? And if the answer is no. Then that can kind of get things get things going. Um, so no, that, that that's great. And you know, when I think about how these the whole subject of inheritance and estate planning, or in particular inheritance, how it's sort of portrayed in you know, like movies and shows and things like that, I I always think back. Anytime I've seen it portrayed in the media or in like you know entertainment or whatever, it's that you know there's this big. Uh, meeting with the lawyer and the lawyer reads off the things that everyone gets and it's like a surprise <laughs> and someone's mad and another person's happy you know and it's this whole thing yeah. you know, drama uh, but but it sounds like from what you're saying is that actually should not be happening really in real life what should be happening is everyone already knows how, all these things ahead of time it's already been planned out people know what they're getting people know how it's supposed to be and so there actually isn't the drama in, like right that, that that it sounds like that's the best practice you don't want this you know they open the envelope and they start reading off you know who gets the right. who gets the yeah. coin collection or whatever mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> would, 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 that, would, would that be fair to say that that uh, that's the better sort of way to think about it as opposed to it being this thing we're like oh well we'll see what i get whatever i get i get because uh, i guess the other thing too from what i've heard before just interviewing other experts on the subject is that i mean when there is a will someone could still take that to court and argue that that's actually shouldn't that it should not be distributed that way even though there was a will and so now you've got extra fighting and it takes longer and all that that's true right exactly yeah, yeah. No, i think what, what you said that that statement is absolutely true um and by communicating uh your wishes you you know you'll avoid a lot of that you know, potential fighting between siblings or between mm. loved ones. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, when you're passing on your, on your estate, you don't want your estate to be a burden on anybody. Um, and so by communicating, it just, it, it, it will, um, in the long run, it, 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 it beneficial for all parties involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've mm. personally seen that process literally ruined family relationships, um, which, which is very unfortunate. So, I mean, you know, decades and decades of family and friendship and all that just gone because someone feels like they've been wronged and they start fighting and now it's this court battle. And I mean, you know, good luck salvaging the relationship after that. So again, I think as the parent, uh, I'm kind of, I guess, more on the you know younger side. I'm I'm more on, I guess, on the receiving end, potentially not on the yeah, giving yeah. end yet, hopefully. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but, but, it's, but it sounds like, you know, if, if I was a grandpa at this point, um, it, it's in my best interest to actually have this conversation with the kids as well, because you don't want them fighting over, you know, what's left once you pass away either. I mean, you want your family to be intact and help each other out and be supported, mm-hmm. not, not, not turn yeah. into this war basically. Right. Um, so exactly. no, that, so that, that's great. Those are, you know, I think really, really practical uh, tips and, and yeah, and yeah you, you answered my, my next question. So, so thank you for, uh, for doing that. Um, and, and yeah, that's all that I had. Can you tell us a little bit more about 
what you and you you and your team do, and, and can you direct us to any educational resources as well that we may find helpful when we start working on optimizing our inheritance and our estate planning, especially anything in regards to sort of those different components you talked about that we should make sure we have covered off, whether we're on the receiving end or the giving end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so what does my team do? So I lead the wealth insurance team um, at RBC Insurance, and we develop retirement investment products, um, such as segregated funds, um, to meet the needs of Canadians who really are worried about market volatility, and um, worried about outliving their savings. Um, so in terms of, you know, where can you get or where you can go to get more information, um, always direct people to our insurance website. So www.rbcinsurance.com forward slash retirement. Um, you can learn more about um, seg funds and how Canadians can help to grow and protect their hard-earned money. Um, in terms of estate planning, you know, speak with your financial advisor, speak with, um, you know, an, an estate lawyer. But I think, you know, when, when you're looking at your finances, Speaking with a financial advisor is is definitely a great place to start. Awesome. All right. Wonderful, Celine. Well, thanks again for coming on and sharing this with us. You know, really, you know, a bit on the darker side in terms of subjects, but so important um, because yes. I mean, a, again, we can't just make everything great, but at least we can when we know when death happens. But at least we can put in an effort now while things are good to at least mitigate some of that anxiety and just stress and sadness and potential fighting with the family and all that. I mean, it, it sounds like a very critical thing for people to, uh, you know, to think about and consider uh, and, and, and consider the different tools that are available as well. And so that you can make that sort of rational decision with your team that helps you, you know, um, to, to do the smart thing, um, you know, as opposed to just kind of let things play out as they may, uh, because like you said, th that can have some very severe consequences in terms of relationship, but also, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars are potentially at stake here. Uh, so it, it's, it's worth, it's worth optimizing around for sure. <laughs> I think you've yeah. uh, you've demonstrated that today. Um, so so great. So thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your expertise with us. Yeah, and thanks for having me on the show, Cornell. Awesome, Celine. Great seeing you again. And until next time. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please share it with someone that you think may find it useful. And of course, leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is always super appreciated as well. I'd like to end with a big thanks to two of our sponsors who, apart from my investing course, literally keep the entire Build Wealth Canada podcast and website free for you. I'd like to thank Passive, the investing tool that I use for my entire investment portfolio. You can get your free account in Passive over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash free, and you can see my portfolio and what ETFs I buy within Passive over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash portfolio. Passive is literally the number one tool that I consistently use to manage all my investments as it lets me immediately see what I'm holding too much and too little of in my portfolio and then automatically calculates how much I need to buy of each ETF to get me back to my target asset allocation across all my household's accounts. Then if I want, in a couple of clicks, I can have Passive buy the investments that I'm holding too little of across all my and my wife's accounts without me having to log in and out of each account to manually do the trades myself. My other favorite feature is to be able to see the performance of my entire household's investment portfolio across all our accounts in just a mouse click instead of manually having to add everything up across all our accounts just to see how we're doing. 
They have a free account that you can use to try them out. And if you are a Quest Trade user like me, you can also get their premium account for free. So it's a complete no brainer. And I've personally been using them for years at this point. So I can definitely vouch for them as they have literally become my number one favorite tool for managing my investments as they've saved me dozens of hours when managing and optimizing my investment portfolio. Definitely check them out. They are a fantastic Canadian company and you can get your free account by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. Again, that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash free. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.